1: Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562 314 4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's 2 p.m. in Memphis, Giannato and Jeffrey time. Get off the fence live on Memphis's sports station, 929
0: FM ESPN.
1: Get mother, get
0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Otto and Jeffrey Show. Coming to you live from Memphis, Tennessee, my name is Jeffrey Wright. You can follow me on Twitter at jwright 929 espn Dennis Fuller produces the program for us, glad that he is with us. Sitting in the is the Kershaw Appeal's lead sports columnist, the lead sports columnist of the number one sports section in the state of Tennessee. Top three sports columnist in the state of Tennessee, barely. Tied for eighth, best sports columnist in the United States of America. He is on Twitter, at M. Giannotto. Mark, good day, sir.
2: Well, that was a pleasant evening, right? Were, were you fearful, Jeffrey, that the NBA Finals were going to be short? and Or were you excited that they were going to be short? Because that means we would learn about John Morant's fate quicker. Like, how, how did you take in last night's proceeding where it felt like it was the official announcement of we got a series here.
0: This is a strange reality for me with an NBA finals. I find myself with just about any outcome being okay with it. Okay. So the way that I approached last night was I kind of thought game one wasn't all that shocking. Mm -hmm. Like when you really like, You you weren't ready to
2: jump to conclusions, correct? Correct. And
0: for everyone out there that threw out game one overreactions, God bless you because I loved them. Like it was, Like that's what made you realize like game one overreactions are the best overreactions. Mm -hmm. But I kind of circled last night of okay, if we're gonna have a series, I felt like Miami was really gonna, if not win the game, you were gonna have to see something from Miami that you thought this could be a series.
2: It did feel like in that second quarter. I think as you were watching, you go, oh, boy, this might be a quick series. Like,
0: this is So, I I was a little bit before that. It was when Miami threw that huge haymaker to start the game, Mm -hmm. and then you realized by the end of the quarter, Denver was only down three. That was when you're like, oh, boy. Oh, boy. And then in the second quarter, when Denver built the lead and going into half, I was like, all right, maybe this is just too much. Then in the second half, when Miami started making shots, and then you realize they took control of the game. Then I found myself thinking, I'm really good if either one of these teams wins the finals. Like either way, like I'm not really, I'm not. I haven't found myself. It's one of the few times I don't really find myself rooting for either team in particular, and I'm really good either way. In the same way that you were asking, was I upset that? It's going to go longer. Well, no. Obviously, from a from our side, it's nice to have games to talk about.
2: Yeah. That, no, it's, it's good that it, it feels like a compelling series.
0: But it does also feel like if that if the series were to be short, it feels more likely that we're going to get a John Moran answer. And so, either way, like I've been able to just kind of figure out, like, there's, there's some way to spin it.
2: Well, yeah. There's lots... There's lots of ways to overreact to this, so we'll got dive into that. It's Overreaction Monday here on the Giannato and Jeffrey Show. <clears throat> also, big day for—feels like a big day for Memphis basketball. It's been a big—feels like after a quiet period there for, for a, a minute, past few days have been quite eventful on the Memphis basketball front. Late last week, we get the, the news of DeAndre Williams attempting to come back to Memphis, and today we got a, a, a double-digit score from the Big East. Transferring to Memphis, so we'll dive into that here in a second. Jason Munns, the Tiger basketball beat writer, uh, will join us at two forty or so. He was out there with me over at TPC Southwind, where Penny Hardaway spoke to the media. I think only the second time since the end of the season where he's spoken to the You know,
0: spoken to a bunch of reporters. There was like the cleanup. Tennessee, yeah, nobody trashes Tennessee yeah.
2: event uh, of like right after Mikey Williams got suspended or got uh, arrested. And then uh, today at the uh, AutoZone Liberty Bowl charity golf function, uh, Penny participated in it like he does every year and, and spoke to the media like he does every year. And so we got lots of updates to react to. We'll talk to Jason
0: about that later. This always feels this like the hour. event that kicks off Penny's celebrity golf circuit.
2: I, but I was, I was talking to him off the microphone. He said, he said, game's in better shape this time this year than it was last year. So he's been playing.
0: Yeah, no, I'm not saying it kicks off Penny's golf season. Mm-hmm. I'm saying it it feels like it pick it kicks off the public golf season. Like the the yeah, the, this, the, the events and whatnot. But then again, do we have when it's a playoff event, there's no pro am, is there? I know we lost what, the pro am with they've the WGC. Been doing,
2: they've been doing the past few since it switched to a WGC, Saint Jude has now done it. It's like a they do a celebrity am off site. So they do it like at uh Spring, Spring Creek. Creek. They'll play. They've usually been playing. There's been a celebrity I've
0: heard their fairways camp. are in tough shape.
2: Who Spring Creek? I don't Spring Creek. Yeah. Well, it's funny they they resodded all of 18 at TPC Southwind. It was apparently it's been closed off to members for like six weeks, and the the, the people who played today were some of the first to play yeah, on the new that's, sod.
0: That's tour money coming in for you, baby. Yeah, <laughs> that's the good stuff.
2: Um. So, uh, yeah. No, but we'll get a full report from Munz about uh, what went down at TPC Southwind today. Uh, we'll get into the list next hour Kyrie Kyrie Irving he doesn't like when the media just reports on him willy-nilly Jeffrey, but he is willing to drop or excuse me I shouldn't say it what it couldn't have been Kyrie who dropped this Never. nugget that uh he'd like LeBron James to join him with the Mavericks but we'll uh'll we'll fully dissect this uh this leak, if you will uh related to Kyrie Irving also Memphis baseball in the in the market for another baseball coach uh, a year after making a good hire it seemed. Um, very similar template to what happened with women's basketball uh unfortunately for the tigers we'll we'll get into the implications of that in the list as well and then uh we had two grizzlies related developments that I want to get into next hour one Jaron jackson junior was on paul george's podcast two hours jeffrey he spoke with paul george and his cohorts um so there's some it Sounded
0: int- like he spoke with the cohorts a lot more than he did paul george
2: yeah well
0: there's, uh, there's, at least from the clips that I've seen,
2: yeah, not anything specific to John Morant's issues. Seemed like it was there was uh, some strategic, uh, uh, "Hey, let's stay away from this" uh, type of stuff. But I thought some interesting comments about the aftermath of the Grizzly season. Uh, we'll dive into that. And also, we had a uh, a notable rep- national reporter predict what various players will get on their contract extension this offseason, their rookie contract extension, if you will, the, the batch of rookies that are due, due up for one, namely Desmond Bain yep. for the Grizzlies-related one. Interesting price put on uh, Desmond Bain's potential contract extension. I want to dive into that next hour. But let's start, Jeffrey, with some overreactions. I think we should start with Memphis basketball then go to the finals because right. uh, Memphis basketball made some big news today. David Jones... Uh, he is a transfer from St. John's, a grad transfer. Um, was it one of those guys who had his name in the NBA draft uh, pool? Pulled it out. Um, he's a six foot six. Amazing. He's a six foot six grad transfer from St. John's. Last year, averaged thirteen point two points, six point eight rebounds. Shot thirty nine point two percent from the field and twenty nine point four percent from three point range. So not super efficient but a good rebounder for his size um, and a guy who can create his own shot. Um, scored a lot of points on a bad St. John team, but if you look at who else was chasing after him, it feels like a, a nice get for Penny Hardaway. Kentucky was on him, Xavier, um, I believe Kansas State as well. Um, so another guy, another proven college score, right? I think that's the, probably the best way to classify him. And a guy who can... Play multiple positions because of the way he rebounds the ball. Um, a guy who, frankly, it feels like will maybe slot into the starting lineup for Penny Hardaway this coming season. Yeah,
0: I think that's. Um, I, I I would be surprised if you leave a Big East school to to go be like a a rotational guy, not a starter.
2: Yeah, so a, a nice pickup for
0: for oh, Penny Hardaway in he, Memphis. Was he in Patino's? Uh, when you look at the roster, not a lot of these guys will be back. Was he one of those guys? It might have been. Yeah. But I think also when you look at the options he had, it seems likely it that seems likely you're going like to play
2: Patino would have taken him back if you if Kentucky, Xavier, Kansas State like these are all good teams that are that were interested in him. And uh yeah, so a nice pickup for Penny and it really feels like I mean, this is my I don't know if this is an over this might be an overreaction, but given you know, it's starting to come together, starting to, things are starting to fall into place for Penny Hardaway just like we thought they might. Now, I'm not saying he's building a Final Four team here, but if you, now that you have David Jones, another proven score to go along with Caleb Mills, okay, and it appears from, you know, being out at TPC Southwind, I mean, Penny Hardaway is comfortable enough with DeAndre Williams' situation that he is setting aside a scholarship for that for DeAndre Williams. Like he is not necessarily going out and trying to, you know, like if he finds someone else, he'll just slot them in ahead of DeAndre. It feels like he feels confident enough in that process and probably specifically in that lawyer, (laughs) Don Jackson, um, that he thinks he's going to get DeAndre Williams back. And if he gets DeAndre Williams back and you have David Jones and you have Caleb Mills and then kind of all these other role-player pieces around them, and oh, by the way, the wild card of Mikey Williams, maybe adding a five star freshman to the mix. Like, I guess it is all contingent on getting DeAndre Williams. But if he gets DeAndre Williams, this is a pretty good team.
0: Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. Like, because on the one hand, you can look at it this way freaking out about the roster before Penny announces this is the roster. Like, mm-hmm. this is kind of another example of, eh, wait. Pump the brakes until he says it's done, and then and then react. Mm-hmm. I will say though, other comments that he had, mm-hmm. like I've been, I feel like I've been squarely in the camp of I don't really worry about the roster.
2: Mm-hmm. I think this show has been squarely in the camp of let's 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 judge it
0: once Penny says it's done. And I certainly didn't go like Chicken Little, mm-hmm. but I do think other comments that he made today. Caused me to have a little more concern than I usually do, which is basically if I have any concern, that's more concern than I do. Mark the way that he talked about name, image, and likeness, and mm-hmm. like, let's be real, like it's not name, image, and likeness. Like, let's like let's be clear, like what it is: the salary cap mm-hmm. <laughs> or the the available funds for salaries. Like that, it's not a salary cap because that would imply that there's a cap and not mm-hmm. just an unlimited amount. The way that he spoke about it was leading me to feel differently this year than I had in years past, because essentially, Penny was like, Listen, on a lot of these guys, you can kind of fill in the the names. I think if it were just purely recruiting, we would have gotten them. But we didn't well, he because- said that,
2: here's the, here's the quote For me being a former athlete, I think it's great, but some of this stuff is kind of getting out of hand. It's definitely the main reason why we can't get what we want. If we were just flat out recruiting, then we would have an advantage. But now it's a little more difficult with NIL. Um, And so uh, he said NIL has been a huge
0: part of the recruiting process this year more than ever. And, And to be clear, part of the reason why I was starting to feel like that is because you can tell in these cycles, it's becoming much more of like the first priority of recruiting. And you can tell with a lot of these guys, they're having to make decisions of, Oh, do we really want to spend this much on, on you know, like there, like, I think that's what Penny was getting at. Like some, and I'm, I'm,
2: this is me just having been around him and then being around him today and talking with him a little bit to the side. Like, I think his is like he said, like he is a fan of NIL. I think he's looking around the landscape and going, I'm having to pay this much for this type of player. Like that's kind of crazy to me. I think, right like that's the vibe i'm yeah. getting not like he is very you know he's well, pro player I think ultimately. there's but he's just like the market is out of whack <laughs> right now
0: the problem is whenever you make statements as a coach about NIL you're always going to get the same crew of people going like well, what about what they pay you what about what they pay you and it's like can we also acknowledge two things can be true we can acknowledge we are happy that the players are getting their slice of the pie mm-hmm can we also acknowledge like this system doesn't feel sustainable <laughs> yeah. like yeah. just just willy-nilly like no rules like NIL like people I tip my cap the people that wanted NIL to just like muddy the waters like they've done so by just saying NIL because it's not name image and likeness it's literally just pay for play but mm-hmm. they've muddied the waters enough and so i don't i don't take anything that penny said today as whining i took it as Here's the reality of the situation.
2: Oh, no, like, and, and in talking to him, like, no, that I, I actually appreciated the way he approached talking about it. He was, like, just saying, like, listen, this is just how it is. I This is what I'm dealing with. This is what I have to deal with. It wasn't, I didn't sense it, A uh, uh, you need to give me more money to operate with. It was more like, this is the landscape, just so you know. Yeah. If you're asking about it, this is the land Because it's not like he just brought it up willy-nilly either. He was asked specifically about it. By, you know, different reporters. And he was just like, this is just how it is. Um, but all that being said, if we come out of this, because I asked him, I go, it was interesting. This was, this was around 7.30, 7.45 this morning. And I asked him, I go, has this off season been more challenging than you expected? And he said, no. He said, I'm not in a panic mode right now. I think everything has happened in the way it's supposed to happen. And that we're going to be okay by the time this thing is settled. Three and a half hours later, he got a commitment from, you know, a pretty notable transfer in uh, David Jones, who he's a lefty, by the way, uh, if you watch his highlights. John Rothstein said he's a potential AAC player of the year. I don't, I don't know if I'd go that far with him.
0: Rothstein always errs on the side of uh,
2: – Especially with a New York guy. Yeah, he, yeah. Was, he, was, he was on the side <laughs> of
0: um, uh, Twitter I do, think,
2: I do think it's interesting to note, so David Jones is from – the Dominican Republic, Santo Domingo, is his listed hometown, the capital of Dominican Republic, and I do think it probably helped Memphis in this regard. One, they're going to the Dominican Republic in August for their summer trip. So that's I'm guessing that was a positive for Memphis in all this, and two, they have two because of that. They have two overseas trips, one to the Dominican over the summer, and one to the Bahamas over Thanksgiving. And if you're a foreign student like David Jones, you cannot earn NIL money on American soil if you are not an American citizen, right. I believe. It's,
0: I think you're on a student visa If you're on or a or whatever, student yeah.
2: visa—I shouldn't say citizen. If you're on a student visa, you cannot make NIL money in the States. You can, however, make it in the Bahamas yeah, and the right. Dominican Republic.
0: It's the Oscar Sheewey rule.
2: Um, yes. And so I'm guessing that played a role in his commitment— and it's all to point out that, like, even in the midst of all of this, if Penny gets DeAndre Williams back, like, he's going to have put together a roster that's, like, you know, another borderline top 25 top twenty-five team. Maybe even a top 25 team if things fall right. Like, there's no Kendrick Davis, but if you have Caleb Mills, David Jones, and DeAndre Williams, like, that's a pretty formidable trio, I think, of experienced players and then oh by the way, you know, you've got some interesting role players in a, you know, now now if you get DeAndre Williams, T Leonard for instance is slotted into like that super role player mode. It means you basically have a potential draft pick as your like glue guy, if you will, you know, all-energy defensive guy. Like it 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 makes everyone slot into the proper place and you're suddenly looking at a roster that I think, you know, Maybe doesn't have the superstar in Kendrick Davis that you had last year, but might be deeper than last year's team. You know, might have and not even deeper in the bad way where we've talked about it in the past where Penny uses too many guys. Like just, you know, your your eight, nine, ten guys are gonna be better than last year's eight, nine, ten guys, potentially.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. I think it's also shaping up into a roster that Penny's had more control of. There's no pure point guard yet. Yeah, well,
2: they got the Jalen Young kid from UCF, potentially. Um, he hasn't signed. They've officially announced him. He's not on campus yet. He's finishing up some school stuff. Um, him and T. Lenard are, they expect them in July. But, I mean, and then, you know, and then the other variable, I mean, the reality is you can look at it, you can look at it as they are a DeAndre Williams away from having a really, like a really strong roster going into next year. You can also look at it as, like, ultimately it's kind of a crapshoot whether DeAndre Williams and Mikey Williams end up at Memphis.
0: Yes, one is literally being left up to the judges. Yes, the others li- being led up, led up to the proverbial judge- yeah. judges. Yeah,
2: like there is a scenario here where both those guys get denied, and it's a good roster, but it's not. It's probably it's not as good as last year's. Like, I mean, I think a lot of it hinges on DeAndre Williams, especially. Mikey is kind of feels like the cherry on top, if you will, of the Sunday. But like, DeAndre Williams, like the chalk, is like the the hot fudge. Like, you, you if you are gonna have a Sunday, you gotta have hot fudge. Yep. Yeah.
0: Thank you, Cartman. <laughs> My overreaction? If I get DeAndre Williams, I'm good. Yeah, you you're
2: right. No, you're you are a DeAndre Williams away from being like this is a good roster. This is a really
0: good roster. I'm just not convinced that the Mikey Williams thing can work. I I mean, I know here's what everyone's here would be the case for it working. With Mikey getting into trouble and it getting resolved You'll get Mikey on his best behavior, and that is a useful piece. I just don't think that's how life works,
2: because mm-hmm. you have you, you you'll have because again today, Penny, real, you know, like ultimately, like it, it was interesting. There were a couple things Penny said about it. You know, he ultimately said like this is going to be about what happens at that hearing in June.
0: No, I've had zero issue with the way that Penny has handled the Mikey Williams scenario. It's been very clear to me that he doesn't want to. Just abandon the kid and, mm-hmm. and leave him hanging. And at the same time, I do not feel like he has stopped everything that he was doing just to say like this is Mikey's spot. Like I felt like mm-hmm. I felt like he handled it like a head coach.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, no, he said uh, he said today. Uh, where's the exact quote? Oh, there are no updates. Um, we're just waiting to see, see how things play out. We're just like everyone else waiting to see what they say in San Diego about moving forward with everything. He said he has been in touch with Mikey, uh, telling him to keep working, keep grinding on your game, the legal side, leave that to your lawyer and just continue to be a kid. And then, um, asked him, you know, like ultimately, like, is there anything in your control in that situation with the Mikey Williams thing? Ultimately. And Penny pointed this out. Every coach has an opportunity to detach from a situation if they want to, but we're not. I'm not that type. We have to really let everything play itself out first and not overreact because I'm not calling him guilty before he's innocent. A lot of people do that, but for me, I'm just staying the course until we figure this whole entire thing out. And I think that's very appropriate. Yes. And, and I would say this. I mean, I guess the thought would be, Penny's really had this kid's back the whole this whole way. Like there there are a lot of coaches that would have just cut cut sure. him loose. And Penny didn't. And so maybe you get a, you know, a very, you know, the, maybe that some of the attitude concerns with Mikey that if that have whether they're fair or not or real or not, they are out there. You know what I mean? Like in terms of when you're evaluating him as a prospect, like that's what people bring up. Again, I don't know. I've never met the kid. I've never even been around him. I don't know if it's true or not. I just know that's out there. But maybe, you know, he feels a loyalty to Penny because of that and it and it helps the you know, it this whole thing while it made this whole situation feel really dicey, once you get through it, it makes things a lot smoother once he gets here because he's on his best behavior. He knows, you know, oh my gosh, this guy really stuck his neck out there for me ultimately when he didn't have to.
0: Yeah, I just, and that's a perfect, you know, you're right. Again, it's a, it's a, it's a, is that possible? Do I, do I consider that on like the, the reality situations? Sure. I also think that that's just not really how these things tend but, to work. But to your
2: point out of the two Williams, DeAndre is the one that matters immensely. Hell yes. Like ultimately if you add DeAndre, you are adding a guy who maybe is the preseason player of the year in the league. Like true. Like I know John Rothstein said that about David Jones. If DeAndre comes back, it's either him or one of the Florida Atlantic guys is the yep. conference player of the year going into the season. Um and yeah, he just he makes everything look a lot nicer. It makes again, it makes it so everyone slots into their proper place, it feels like on this roster, if you have DeAndre. Yes. And, I'm, I'm... and by the way, Penny did not close the door on Malcolm Dandridge either. Um referred to both him and DeAndre the same way. They're family and essentially if you know if he wants to come it, the vibe was if Malcolm wants to come back we'll take him back
0: yes we'll and see. they'll make
2: it work scholarship wise i mean right now technically they only have one scholarship left if you count Mikey Williams as being part of the roster still and obviously DeAndre would slot into that last remaining roster spot but uh i think there's you know he does have what two sons on the team i think there could be a way to whether it's Jaden or Ashton coming off scholarship, I think if they need to, I think they can make it work from yeah. what I understand.
0: Yeah, I always just think, like, if there's a will, there's a way. You can usually yeah. figure it out.
2: They'll, they'll, they'll figure it out. But things definitely look a lot Can't – wouldn't you agree? Compare it to a week ago, it really does feel like his roster is starting to finally fall into place here, and it feels like whatever angst some people felt – like there clearly is a a plan here now again it hinges a lot things look a lot better if DeAndre Williams is on this yeah, roster yeah
0: i think that's i think that's kind of the the other thing though for me is how much how much how is much this of dependent this is, on yes. DeAndre yeah
2: i mean i i think they're a fringe i think they're a fringe top 25 team with DeAndre Williams on the roster i think they're probably like a fringe bubble team type of deal without him
0: yeah, I'm. I'm more thinking of like how much does the optimism feel like? It's related to. It feels like there's a lot of positive. Momentum I think. I think.
2: I think. Yes, with DeAndre. I think it is mainly because of DeAndre. I would say now getting a big recruiting win helps too, but I think the fact that there seems to be a real possibility that you're getting someone like DeAndre Williams back, yes. I think, has totally changed the outlook and mindset of people when they look at this roster. And frankly, now wouldn't you? I went into this a week ago when all this DeAndre stuff started bubbling up, thinking of it as a long shot, and I still think it might be more of a long shot than what Penny's letting on. Um, and in the and the what the you know the mm. lawyer is supposed to be optimistic about all this. Like keep that in mind. But I do think now it wouldn't it be like kind of a, dis- a letdown, a disappointment if he's not on the team because now you've kind of gotten your hopes up. Like man, like this team could be really good if they have DeAndre Williams.
0: Yeah, I still... I think I'm still in this camp. It does feel like there's more optimism of this actually happening. Mm -hmm. I still think, though, you can discuss how strong you think DeAndre's case is or isn't, and that's entirely a reasonable thing to discuss. I still think this thing gets decided based upon whether or not the NCAA is going to want to... Are they going to have the stomach to make a ruling against DeAndre? Because even though Don Jackson has cited other examples just one but yes one other example that he that he participated in it's still going to come down to a question for the NCA are they going to want to make a ruling that opens up when someone when a player's clock does or doesn't start
2: yeah well, because I, yeah
0: because the way the, here's the thing Obviously, Memphis and DeAndre, I don't think they're going to abuse this. I think they want to get him another year, and I think they mm-hmm. believe that he deserves another year. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, like if you take a step back and you realize like how many people have gotten other years.
2: The only reason you would be honestly be reticent about this is
0: his age, but really his age is irrelevant to the conversation. Correct. I'm not even focusing on the age. Yeah. I'm talking about, in the end, what is going to be at the core of the issue is when does a player's clock start? And by what I have read, DeAndre's clock has started and expired.
2: Now, it is interesting the way Penny described it today. When he was going through, like, the. someone asked him, like, how how did this all come to be? Like, how did you realize DeAndre uh, might have a chance to get his um, another year of eligibility? And he said it was discussed about a month and a half ago when the NCAA told him he had another year left. And I think he did some investigating, and compliance told him his years were up. But then a lawyer came in and said that DeAndre definitely could have one year left, and we're at that point now. So there was some sort of – according to Penny here, there was some sort of initial indication from the NCA, hey, oh, by the way, like, you technically could get a waiver here. You know, like, you could you – know, something could – it does sounds he, like he, he, he was alerted to by the NCAA first, then Memphis compliance said, eh, we don't think, like, it's worth it, essentially. We don't think you're going to get it.
0: It's not a waiver though, right? It's just an additional year of eligibility. Well, he's got to,
2: he's got to get a waiver to get an extra year of eligibility. it's like you know when someone applies for a 6-year of eligibility back in normal times
0: Yes, the medical red shirt. Yeah,
2: like that's what he's doing. He has to he has to apply for a waiver for them to waive off, you know, basically say that that year of residence didn't count towards his eligibility. So he does he has to have a waiver. Um and that's why this all gets a little more complicated cuz I'm just not convinced this is, like, some cut-and-dry case that they're going to be able to rule on immediately. Like, I suspect this is going to be a months-long process. Like, we might not find out till the end of the summer. Like, I mean, I think if you're do Memphis, we, you're do going... Do we have a
0: better sense of why there is this time crunch?
2: Um, No. Okay. I don't think so. I, I do know, though, that the lawyer told Munz that, and we can ask Munz this in a second, but that essentially... um. He the that case the pre the precedent setting case in his mind that he that he successfully won a few years ago that he thinks relates directly to DeAndre's case. He said he, that was like a month again three to five months of you know putting together documentation and things like that. And he said basically he had so much time and was so thorough with it that the ruling was quick because he had made it so cut and dry that. This is what happened, and this is why this guy should get a year of eligibility back. And it sounds like he's trying to do that for DeAndre, but he doesn't have months; he has days. Um, right, but I guess that no. And I know your point. Your your question is why why does this why can't this take till September? And my guess is is because if you read DeAndre's statement closely. While he is open to coming back to Memphis, and ultimately I think that's his number one choice. He could have other options. I also don't think he wants to – You know, like if he waits till September or October, whatever, till the beginning of the school year, and then they say no, they reject this waiver, well, then what if he can't – what if there's no opportunity to get a professional opportunity? You know, like I think that is what the time crunch is. I can't say that for sure because no one said it, but based on like reading between the lines – I think that's what it is is that DeAndre wants an answer because yes he wants to come back to Memphis but ultimately he doesn't want to be SOL come September when the NCA who can you know we know can be <laughs> you know it's not an exact science getting one of these waivers some people a lot of people get them but sometimes people don't and uh I don't think he wants to you know if he waits till then then he's not gonna you know if he waits till then he might he might not be able to be able to play basketball at all
0: next year. Is it gonna be complicating and again we can ask buns this? Is it complicated if the NCA said, hey, you can't apply? Or you, you may and whatever what was your timeline January, they said to him you mm-hmm. can No, this was like a month and a half ago,
2: is what he said, is what Penny said when the NCAA told him he had another year left. Okay. That's according to Penny. Um and it sounds like DeAndre did the process the right way and that he didn't hire an agent, he never declared for the NBA draft in in a formal fashion. Like he's left himself several avenues here. Um but it'll be interesting. I mean, like I said, if he's back, man, woo. Be a fun year.
0: Oh, it certainly it certainly changes everything cuz he's just a really good college basketball player. Yeah. He absolutely
2: is and so hopefully it'll work out. And then like I said, he, Penny left the door open for Malcolm. I'm trying to think if there's anything else we need to cover before we get to Jason Munns. Um not really. Um discuss
0: the NIL, we discussed Malcolm. It
2: was it was just interesting to hear from Penny cuz we haven't talked to him very much uh since the season ended. And uh yeah, he seems to be uh like I said, seems to be coming into coming into focus, coming into place right at the right at the moment you I don't know if he if – he, maybe he wanted it sooner, um, and he mentioned that he certainly – he he'd like to have the full team by the time they go to the Dominican Republic in August, that yeah. including Mikey Williams. Like, he's hoping that even that situation will be resolved by then.
0: Let's get Munz's thoughts on all of these topics and more when he joins us as he does each and every Monday next here on g and Jeffrey, 92.9 FM. ES-
1: okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
0: Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Jason Munns is the Tiger Basketball Beat Writer. For the Commercial Appeal, he's on Twitter. At Munsley. joins us each and every Monday on the program. Munns, what are we listening to?
4: <laughs> Paul Oakenfold, Jeffrey. This is uh, ready to Go. Yes.
0: It
2: feels like uh, Fat Boy Slim. Yeah, fat, I was just saying, yeah. were you a big Fat Boy Slim fan? I liked the video with Christopher Walken. I forget which song that was. His, his biggest uh, one.
4: Praise you? Fan? I mean, I, I, I have, right. I have, I have, uh, that boy, son's greatest hits.
2: Oh God. Hits plural. On, on, uh,
4: yeah, on what CD. the hell?
2: How, what is it? Is it a, is it, a, that, is it two songs?
4: Uh,
0: you know, By the way, weapon I, of I, choice
2: is the name of the one with Christopher Walken. That's yeah. when,
0: uh, that's like when my dad came home with David Gray's greatest hits. David Gray yeah. has the Babylon <laughs> song. And I was like, what yeah, right. greatest hit? Like wh- dad, that's one song. Like, what, what, Which is... What, correct. Is it just 12 times? Like 16 times? How many times is that played? Yeah.
4: yeah. He wasn't um, in like a no, band?
0: I, I don't... Th- no, I don't think David Gray was. David Byrne like, no, is no, the Fat one Boy who Fats. was talking, in heads, talking Heads. Yeah, yeah. yeah David yeah. Byrne's
4: Talking Heads. Fat that Boy guy Slim did have also heads. did uh, I See You, Baby. That's Fatboy Slim. I remember Praise You was like the...
0: That that yeah. was the big Yeah, Praise You, yes. Yeah. Praise yeah. You, that was the big one.
2: Well... Praise you. You were out at TPC Southwind this morning, uh, Jason, speaking to Penny Hardaway for the first time in a while. Um, Seems like it's been a nice run of, uh, after a a quiet period, literally and figuratively, uh, it's been a nice run of uh, news cycles for Penny Hardaway. We get the news late last week that DeAndre Williams is uh, going to attempt to get another year of eligibility and perhaps could be back with the Tigers, and then Today they get a commitment from grad transfer David Jones, double-digit scorer from St. John's last season. Um, Your thoughts on these uh, recent developments for Memphis basketball? I know you were not in the, oh, my gosh, something's wrong, we should be worried camp, but you do have to feel better now than you did a week ago at this time.
4: Yeah, that's true. I mean, like, I I guess I hesitate to say that this – that you know this last week this the last what five six seven days um like drastically change alters the complexion of the entire off season like that i think is too way too strong but you know on a scale of one to ten if ten is drastically altering the, the complexion of the of the whole off season it's you know this last week feels like a like a six or a seven, like the off season, I was, I was in the camp of, you know, like again, going back to that scale of one to 10, like I I felt like it was around a five and a half, six. And then this takes it up to like an eight, eight and a half, something like that. Maybe, maybe even nine. If, if, if obviously the dump, the right dominoes have to fall. and, And obviously that that's assuming, uh, uh, Deandre Williams, Is going to get uh, that that favorable ruling from the NCAA, which you know, depending on who you talk to, is is a bit of a stretch. But um, well, here
2: I want to let's get to that first because I feel like DeAndre is the biggest domino. Because ultimately, if you get DeAndre Williams, now you're talking about a roster that has three really old players in Caleb Mills, DeAndre Williams and David Jones, who averaged double-digit points on either a Power 5, you know, whatever, a Power 5 team, a Big East team, and an NCAA tournament team. You've got th- – yep. you, like, that is pretty formidable to put out there. That's not Kendrick Davis, but it's a pretty good nucleus to to trot out there. But a lot of it feels – like, how you feel about even today's commitment to David Jones, a little bit contingent on whether they get DeAndre Williams back – and so you mentioned that depending on who you talk to, lay us lay it out to us from what you've talked to, from what you've heard behind the scenes. Like what is at play here in this DeAndre law you know, whatever waiver request if you will? Why do some people think it's like borderline at best and why did Penny say today he feels really good about
4: it? So Don Jackson, who is the attorney uh, who is serving as DeAndre's counsel uh, on this matter, I mean, like obviously he is going to feel good about it. You know what I mean? Like he's he's what he says is that he successfully um, helped a in a separate case. He successfully helped a student athlete um, who who was ruled ineligible in their first season of competition, albeit at a Division two school in Florida. Still. NCAA, um, that person, that, that student-athlete uh, had to sit out their first year because um, they were charged with delayed enrollment. Same exact thing that happened to DeAndre Williams at Evansville when he had to sit out the 2018-19 season. Don Jackson went to work uh, on that case back in 2018 for that, um, that Division II student-athlete and basically presented a wealth of information to the NCAA proving arguing and ultimately proving that that student athlete was got terrible advice got very bad advice and wouldn't have done what they did and then been charged with delayed enrollment had they known better okay and like that's what Don Jackson tells me that is the same exact situation with DeAndre Williams. In high school, we all know the story. In high school, he was convinced by an AU coach to withdraw from his public high school and enroll in like a homeschool program in Houston, Texas. And um, I've I've seen this uh, reported a bunch of different – like this way a lot of times, um, that that homeschool wasn't accredited by the NCAA – uh, or, or it, it wasn't it wasn't accredited and that, that was the problem according to Don jackson that, that home school uh, was accredited, but not every school that is accr- not every program that is accredited is recognized by the NCAA and that was a hang up there and you know DeAndre got uh, uh, you know all messed up because of that one decision and Don Jackson says it's the same deal he was, he, he got bad advice and if you go by case precedent and you're truly ruling on student athlete well-being then then DeAndre Williams absolutely is entitled to a, to a year back and will get it and i think that's why penny hardaway say you know was as confident speaking about it today as he was now on the flip side uh, there are those who say you know it's pretty unlikely that he is going to get this um, well, because the t- key neighbor.
2: difference between the two cases is this Division II athlete or the the other athlete that he got that he got the extra year was misled by his college coach, correct? That's correct. Whereas DeAndre was misled by whatever an AAU coach, whatever, not not someone a- affiliated with the NCAA, so to speak. That would seem to me to right. be a difference that could be. Uh, exploited if you will uh and not not exploited but could hinder the case a little bit
4: yeah and that's possible but uh and i asked uh uh uh, mr jackson that very question and he said that uh the answer he gave me was that it doesn't necessarily um matter um misled is misled yeah exactly and and well i mean you know if it's if it's your buddy on the team, like if it's your teammate or something like that, that's one thing. But the way he phrased it was, anyone who's in a position of authority. I mean, at the time that DeAndre was misadvised, uh, to, to use Don's word, um, you know, he's he's a 17, 18 year eighteen-year-old kid, you know, still a kid, um, and there's a person in a position of authority, his his AAU coach, and he told him wrong, and and that's so that's that's Don's answer to that question. In your mind.
0: What does this decision come down to? And I'll I'll phrase it this way. I think the the arguments of the case are all well and good. It just seems to me what the what the deciding factor is gonna be. The NCAA at this point in time does not seem very keen on making decisions that could be construed or shoved back in their face as unpopular for a player or yeah. you know, detrimental to a player. And to me, it's almost like if that's what this gets decided on, then I think DeAndre's got a really good shot. I just don't know if, like, it. Is it clear to you that DeAndre's clock should be up?
4: No. I, I, I don't think that it is. I mean, and I would, I would feel a little bit differently if there wasn't case precedent. Um, You know, I, I've seen the ruling. Like, uh, I saw a PDF of the ruling in... Uh, that particular case that uh, Don Jackson uh, worked on back in 2018, and it says verbatim that part of the reason why they ruled the way they did was, "quote, student athlete well-being." And um, if they believe, if the NCAA believes that this is in the best interest of the student athlete, uh, then 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 you have to think that that's the next step is to is to approve it um, now. The the big hiccup, the biggest hurdle right now, obstacle facing DeAndre Williams is time, and and Don Jackson has not shied away from that in my conversations with him. Uh, you know, he. Is- Do we know why? Like
2: we were talking about it in the last segment. My my suspicion is, is DeAndre had some other options on the table, and he doesn't want to – He might lose them if he waits till say September on an NCAA ruling. Um, but have you figured out why there's such a time crunch here?
4: I have reached out to uh, to Don to ask him that and have not heard back. I've reached out to DeAndre. Um, don't have a clear answer from him. So we're going to continue to work to to get that answer. But my gut tells me that it is uh, a little of everything, right? It's uh, It's DeAndre's best interests. Like, you know, he doesn't want to be sitting here all the way up until October and then have it you know, have the, the waiver request denied. And then where does that leave him? You know, like he's, he's set himself back again, yet again, um, in his, in his, you know, journey. Um, and that would be terrible, but also, you know, Memphis does not want to, uh, also be saving a scholarship, you know, like this and like uh, having to go, you know, so far thinking that, they might have DeAndre Williams and then they, and then it turns out they don't or whatever. So, um, you know, and that's why I asked Penny, uh, this morning, you know, like, does this sort of make things tricky for you? Like, uh, having to hold open a scholarship when you don't know it's, it's completely out of your hands. And, you know, he, he kind of said, yeah, it is. It does make it tricky, but DeAndre is worth it. I thought that was a really good answer.
0: No, I mean, to me like that, that makes all the sense in the world, I guess. For those that don't feel good about uh, about the chances, what is what is the rationale for not feeling good about it?
4: I would say another factor um, in in that in their in those folks's uh, line of thinking is why wait until June yeah. after your eligibility has you know technically been exhausted. See, that's the thing that that is also a little bit. Uh, misunderstood and this whole thing is until he gets that waiver until the NCAA actually reconsiders his, his case and ultimately decides yay or nay. Um, he technically is still out of eligibility like that technically is still the deal. Um, now that doesn't mean that obviously that doesn't mean that he cannot apply to get a year of eligibility back. But as we sit here today, his el- eligibility is definitely exhausted. And, um, I think there's there are those who are like you know that's going to be a question the NCAA asks you why did you why did you not do this sooner why did you not do this you know back in 2018 or even 2019 why did you not do this back in March uh, of this year um, you know and I think those are valid questions but at the same time you know it, it it's it's uh, I don't know many people who. Uh, would just automatically assume after they've been told for five years that they're definitely out of eligibility. Why would anybody automatically assume? Like, uh, you know, let's let's really dig into this and keep digging into it and uh, see what we can find. Do you have a percentage chance? I would honestly. You're handicapping I, I told, it. I told Mark earlier this today. Uh, this earlier today. I. I, I I, I would say like 30, 40% would be my uh, odds of this being successful. And, I, and I, I would feel a little bit more confident if it wasn't for the time crunch. And, and that's pretty much exactly what Don told me word for word um, when I talked to him last Friday. He said I would I, – I'm paraphrasing, but it was something along the lines of if we had two, three, four months to prepare this case – I'd feel a whole lot more confident than I do sitting here today, but he doesn't have that kind of time. He's got a week. He he told me last Friday that he hopes to have this thing submitted by Tuesday. So, and a he's big, got to – he's so. got a.
2: Does he really have to convince Memphis? They're going to submit this no matter what, right?
4: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. There's no way Memphis is going to look at this and be like, "No, we're not going to." No, you don't have a chance.
2: At this point, it's like worth it just to try, even if like what yeah. the worst they can say is no.
4: Exactly. Exactly.
2: What would you? How good is this team? So you got David Jones now. Let's say, let's leave the Mikey part out of the equation. You know it, that feels, and that's up to ultimately a, you know, a judge in in a legal system in the San Diego legal system. Um, yeah. If they get DeAndre eligible, how good's this team with David Jones, Caleb Mills? Like, where would you peg them at? Would you say they're as good as last year's team? You know, even though there's no Kendrick Davis, where would you? How would you peg this team if, let's say, they all that's left that happens, major move wise, is they get DeAndre back?
4: Don't you feel like this getting DeAndre back just on its just on its own? Don't you feel like it's worth like a twenty to twenty five, maybe even thirty spot jump in the in the pecking order? Um,
2: I said, I think they're, I think they're a borderline top twenty-five team. With them, I I I
1: think you could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit hyundaiusa.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
3: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue.